Hey everybody, welcome to another week of the Rogue Soccer Thread Podcast, Deep State, Beaverton Podcast Studios. Uh, I'm Dan Trader. I'm in Beaverton Podcast Studios. I'm joined by Ryan Palmer of the Soccer Thread Podcast. I promised that I would never do another one of these, uh, so the common denominator is not Colin. Uh, it is me. I'm, I'm the terrible person here, so... And Mike's always left out, so I, we know. Yeah, <laughs> he's the I, one that's getting picked on. I really want to apologize again. I, I should not. I'm not good enough for this pod. I'm sorry. The uh, the rogueness here is sponsored by great friend of the pod, Matt Bergeron. Very excited to have you on. What's up, man? Hey, thanks for having me. It's always fun to jump on, and uh, you know, special podcast is pretty cool. Uh. So special podcast because Burge is traveling. He's in town and he's been involved in a very interesting project recently. And we just wanted to ask some questions about it, raise some awareness, uh, get some insights into the background of stuff that we're generally interested in. Uh, but honestly, I don't know enough about it. So you'll have to do your own introduction, <laughs> I think. I know that you are um, part of the founding of a women's soccer professional, semi-professional soccer club uh, in the Twin Cities area. And that's about as much as I know. From there, you got to help me out. For sure. So it's uh, it's what we call pre-professional. So it's a it's a professionalized operation, but the the athletes are amateur, um, largely uh, folks with still college eligibility. So it's it's a it's a league. Um, step back a second. So the the USL that runs kind of the second, third, and fourth tiers of the men's pyramid, um, and previously ran a, a women's league has has relaunched uh, the W League, and uh, it is, you know, pre-professional, so it's kind of equivalent uh, or analogous to USL League Two, which is largely um, collegiate athletes. In this, is, so this is like college league baseball, kind of. Yeah, like I was that gonna, type of. Is it easier almost? So it, it it's kind of like you know maybe like the Nantucket League or something like that, where um, if you're looking for a very high end competitive experience in the summertime yeah um that doesn't violate your ncaa eligibility yeah. um and we can get on to kind of the unique landscape of that which has changed and since the announcement of this club yeah. um but uh i was i was gonna say if if you've ever been to uh a madison mallard's game and sat in the duck blind shout uh, out madison mallard you uh you have uh, supported some pre-professional um baseball in this case yeah, and so it's uh yeah there's a in uh, Minnesota there's something called the Northwoods League and it's a, a right. really a really exactly. great yep. um you know baseball league similarly uh, structured and so uh so that it's it's pre professional um and there are uh you know the the goal the USL kind of has for the the W League is frankly kind of stepping up um kind of across the country frankly the 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 caliber of, of operation and and having a national league. Um, at this level, you tend to have because I mean, travel expenses are substantial, um, and uh, you know these clubs kind of come up uh, organically. There are other pre-professional leagues in the women's game. I'm just as taking well. notes over here. I'm not texting. <laughs> there I feel you go. Very rude. I'm on my phone, but I'm taking notes because there are questions coming up that I want to ask. For sure. And so um, there, there are other leagues, but they tend to be you know uh, regional. There, there are other pre-professional women's teams in Minnesota now. Um, but they're generally, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's much more local. It's much more, um, almost like club in that sense. Uh, like, like it's, adult club, it's, it's, it's a little bit more club. high adult club. And it's, it's also one of the big things is it's generally pay to play. Like the athletes have to come up with some money for their share of, you know, sure. the operations of, of club. the, of the, yeah. um, is it, team. So those, so some examples of that are like, uh, what would we, we were talking about this earlier. Minneapolis FC is an example yeah. of, of something like that. So um, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a but pretty, it's not re- women specific. Yeah. So Minneapolis city FC is a, is a men's team that plays right. um, in the, uh, it's the NPSL, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a fourth tier equivalent to 
USL League Two. Like I, my understanding is, they're about right. on par. They're, okay. they're, they're yeah. pre-professional. Similar to that um, uh, team in Baltimore that played DC United that was like sponsored by a liquor store, right? Yeah. The yeah yeah. I, I would I think so. I mean, what right. I don't I don't actually Christos, know what Christos. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so and so these clubs, so you know, Minneapolis City, uh, you know, just won their their division. Um, you know, they they recruit from a, a really you know talented player pool. They bring them together. They give these guys some quality uh, coaching and competitive opportunities. Um, and there there's uh, you know some of those opportunities on the on the women's side as already the the WPSL exists okay. and and, um, and there are teams kind of scattered throughout Minnesota and you would kind of play in that very much regional operation i think uh, what is missing currently in kind of the women's pyramid is a step between that more club feeling like pre-professional regional. regional piece uh-huh. and the NWSL like there isn't a um, there isn't a second division of professional or semi-pro really in that. U23s in the NWSL. They don't have like it's reserve teams. Not Yeah, yeah. not that necessarily function in an organized, like, you know, yeah. league yeah. that way. And so I, I think the, the goal is to, you know, I mean, you kind of have to start pre-professional just because the barrier to entry is lower if you're not signing contracts and paying salaries. Yeah. Um, but also I think there's an, a real opportunity to give – um, you know, opportunities to collegiate athletes who maybe wouldn't otherwise be able to come up with the cash to, yeah. to play. And so it's the, the goal, I think, is reducing some barriers while also stepping up the experience and opportunities. So what's the name of the club? I feel like we didn't even shout out what's going see, on See, yet. that's that's kind of gets to the, the interesting, you know, organization. So uh, the, the USL announced the W League, and mm-hmm. at the time they announced uh, eight founding clubs. Um, they will announce a series of others between now and the start of play uh, in the spring of 2022. Okay. Um, of those eight teams, six were affiliated with existing USL men's teams. So okay. those clubs announced they're they're jumping in with the women's team. They're just straight up. Forward. Yeah, same club, same name. Exactly. Um, I mean, they may do some creative alternative branding, you know, Timber Thorn, something like sure. that with their, their women's teams. Um and then uh, DCU announced that they'd be part of it. So that was team seven. Okay. And eight was this Minnesota franchise. Um, the one independent that, you know, USL does not have a presence in Minnesota. Um, there isn't a, a club there. And um, so, so we're the one kind of new entity. Uh, it is a uh, women led. The majority of the board of directors and the founders uh, are women. Our board president um, is a is a woman, and it will be a community owned club. Okay. So while meaning what exactly like local community or you're selling shares we, essentially? We, we, can we, I buy in? Can I can I be a part owner? We will be selling. We will be we will be selling uh community ownership, you know, equity interests. So it's kind of like a um a crowd. Uh, it's kind of like a Kickstarter, but it. It makes you an, an actual yeah. owner. Yeah. Are we envisioning the Soccer Thread podcast on the kit right That's, now? Uh, exactly. Uh, no, I'm, I'm envisioning the fact that when Packer shares come up, yeah. I always forget to buy, and then I hate myself for the next 15 years. <laughs> when iBar shares come up, and I can't figure out how to navigate the Spanish uh, website to buy shares, and then I hate myself. For, exactly. So I like, look, So not so, that any of this comes to anything, but... Like I want that little share, yeah. the, the plaque on my wall. <laughs> so yeah, like, right. yeah, these are the sports teams I own. So, so, so there are a few, um, there are a few men's teams in the United States that have done something like this. Uh, one in Detroit, one in Chattanooga. Um, there's, uh, this is a model I think that was used um, from time to time in minor league baseball years ago. Okay. Uh, maybe less prevalent uh, now, and it's something you see from time to time in European clubs. Um, but it. It's our understanding that this will be the first time a women's sports team in the United States has had this cool. kind of a community yeah. ownership offering. Um, and, uh, you know, the the club's kind of motto right now is like by the community for the community is that we're, we're very much trying to, to make this um, a, a grassroots uh, experience. And um, one of the things that, you know, 
buying a an interest in the club as part of the the initial uh, offering, it will get you a voice and a vote in the eventual naming of the club. Okay. So um, we did not come into this with a brand. I mean, like that. Uh, it was important to you know the eight or so of us that kind of helped pull a lot of this together. Um, that that. That was part like, of the... Yeah, I mean, like, the, the, the eight of us could sit around and pick what we liked, but, right. like, that's only, you know, the ideas of eight people. Yeah. And we are, while a, a diverse group of um, of folks kind of from the, the community, area, we are not, yeah, yeah, we are not representative of the community, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's kind of a, a, a cool uh, opportunity. You know, we're, we're not coming into it with a an identity pre-established. I feel like you may not be searching for comparisons or even want comparisons, but a little of this does have a feeling maybe because I tracked it. So I'm familiar with it, but Ford Madison was very mm-hmm. much the same way. Everything has been so heavily community oriented, mm-hmm. involved the fans from the very beginning, including the naming of the club, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you guys should definitely team up with Hummel and get on that jersey. <laughs> well, that's kit. that. I mean, that's that's, that's, well, that's, that's I knew it. I knew exactly where that was going. <laughs> well, I mean, that that is one of the things that's that's really exciting about being able to kind of open the doors on the the creative side of these this process, um, and not only being able to benefit from bringing in all of those voices and perspectives, but then also like that's going to be good for the you know viability of the club to have something i mean ford madison has to sell more kits than like MLS just team. about any oh my God. yeah I right mean, probably not actually but yeah no, they're doing great no yes. but if you told me right now like which would i rather have a, a ford madison kit or one of the an atlanta know, kit well, yeah right exactly like oh it, this this adidas kit looks like every other kit in the uh, in the yeah. mls or i could have a uh uh, reversible kit. one a pink yeah. kit with surfers on it i'll take Hell the reversible yeah. joint yeah. right and and so um and i mean and that is one of the the cool things too is being able to to find a um a creative brand and presence from the community and one that the community feels ownership in yep. such that they're going to go out and, and support it through merch and things like that i feel like i cut you off Paul, oh I, I was uh moving away from kits i have a question like where do you envision i mean maybe this is um, cart before the horse here, but where do you envision like your player pool? Like, where are you going to pull players from? Is it going to be many out? I mean, you're talking about uh, college aids um, players, so you know you have University of Minnesota there that has a Division One women's team, um, and then there's a ton of other uh, colleges within and around the city that you could possibly pull players from. Um, but where do you envision kind of your player pool? Is it going to be Minnesota specific? Are you going to go further out? Are you going to recruit? Like how, how does this happen for, uh, for this league? You know, I mean, I think a lot of that will come out of, of course, like the relationships and networks of the head coach we, we hire and where, you know, as, as far as breaking out of the local like community proximity, you know, if, if that person comes with experiences in other markets, you know, they, they spent 10 years in Omaha, so they know a bunch of or whatever it might be. Um, but we're really lucky. And I, I think this is one of the things that gives us a, a really opportunity, a real opportunity to be highly competitive is because we've got multiple, um, you know, D1 programs in, in Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Dakota, like we've got some real the upper talent. Midwest. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we've also got a couple of the best division three athletics conferences in the country right. in Minnesota and Wisconsin. And then in Minnesota, you, we've got a conference of D2. I mean, like, so like we, we've got, we've got the opportunity to, to draw from a lot there. And when you're just trying to put together a single roster and you've got, you know, 20 to choose from potentially, you know, I mean, I, 20 I, schools, yeah, and, 20 schools yeah. that you're looking at their entire women's program and, and trying to pick some folks. And, and I do think one of the things that will be, um, you know, helpful, for us is the opportunity to offer that playing experience without it having financial commitments for the athletes. Right. And so, um, you know, that's not, that's not going to be a barrier, uh, to the, to the women we recruit. And, um, I think that's going to be helpful in putting together just, uh, it also, I think allows us to more aggressively recruit in, um, communities where, 
that may very well be mm-hmm. a, a historic uh, obstacle to this kind of summertime yeah. play. Mm-hmm. Do, are there opportunities then, or do you envision, since the players will not be paid, will the club also be running um, camps that the, the this, this players is, can work at to earn that summer money that they yeah. would otherwise maybe be foregoing? Well, and this is where the the recent rulings and decisions on yeah. NCAA athletes yeah. has fundamentally changed. Like, I don't know what all will be and won't be feasible yet because sure. that was a couple of weeks what you're ago, allowed right? To, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. And so the, I think there's definitely some um, kind of sussing out of what opportunity. I, I think camps are, are a big thing. Um, or maybe maybe the real heart of my question isn't so much this, but like, is camps the thing? But like, do you see or is it being discussed as part of the uh, need of the club to make this really run that uh, although you're not paying the players to play because they're pre-professional, mm-hmm. they're neat needs to be some kind of mechanism for them to be able to generate income during the summer. Yeah. And I, I, I think we're not at the point where we've got our heads around what that looks like. Some yeah. of that is like just the, you know, we're working hard to put a roster on the field next May. Yeah. And yeah. like the league was announced last month. Right. Um, and so there's, uh, you know, portions of that, it's that, all- you know, um, I think those are the things we would very much uh, those that would align with our values mm-hmm. as we look to create opportunities um, in the community and and use uh, the club to do more than even just put a, together a game day product. Yeah. yeah. Um, but between the, uh, um, the the change in the landscape at the NCAA level and also just putting making sure like the last thing we want to do is ever create an eligibility problem for one of these guys. So like, yep. like the, you know, the, the league is great in the sense that they've got a very strong, because they've done this in USL men's league too. They've got compliance guidance and programs. So like, yeah, well, I, I definitely think that uh, creating opportunities and um, frankly using, I think the whole league is, is intended to help, um, you know, uh, build the bench and create more opportunities at high levels, whether that's in coaching, in organizational leadership, in, um, soccer vendors in whatever it may be is finding more opportunities for people from more uh, diverse uh, backgrounds to be a part of uh, the game and to lift the, the women's game up um, on, a, on a higher yeah. platform. Right. More opportunities. Exactly. Good, period. Oh, for sure. I mean, and so the, the amazing thing about it was the, the initial reaction, like the league was announced um, on a Tuesday in July and, um, about two hours into the league being announced, Minnesota was announced as a club. We went public, announced a, an event um, at uh, University of Minnesota Women's mm-hmm. Soccer Stadium there um, for the following Sunday, and then had a few hundred people show up to it on a hot day. In like, and when yeah. you're in the, when you're yeah. on the when you're on the pitch in the soccer, there, there's no shade. Yeah, and, and there was and people are excited. Though. And they were I mean, there. like yeah, they literally grassroots community led excitement. And and it was amazing talking to folks there because it was like, oh yeah, I saw this on Twitter. I have no idea what it is, but I decided to come. I want to be here. Yeah. Which you know we've all got, you know, so many things in our lives for for folks to take that time. It wasn't like it was just like the friends and family of the eight of us that right. that organized yeah. this. Right. Like, there was a lot of folks out of the you know, uh, broader Twin Cities soccer community that were like, oh, yeah, like this sounds cool. I want to go figure out who's doing this and what's going yeah. on. Yeah. How did you uh, how did you get hooked up with this? Like, um, you know, I've I've always wanted to own a sports team. That seems kind of cool, but it also seems like uh, an insane pipe dream. That's like this would never happen. Uh, like, how did you. Did, did you know somebody? Did you research this? Like, how did you get hooked up yeah, with this? So and then how did you make the decision? Like, yeah, this is it. This is what I'm going to, this is what, like, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in and do this. Yeah. So it was, it was really interesting because it's the conversation started maybe three or so years ago. And it actually started, you know, we mentioned Minneapolis city before. Um, there used to be a, like a very St. Paul centered club. That was kind of a, a rival years ago that, kind of disappeared on the men's side and the conversation actually had started amongst a couple of folks in St. Paul about like maybe we should get together and launch a competitor right like let's Start let's that do that up, right like yeah, yeah let's 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 launch a a team and we started having a couple of conversations and re- and one of the 
one of the guys that kind of at the center of that was like, are we just talking about a men's team because we're like a couple of dudes sitting around mm-hmm. you know, like, like, do we really need it? Right. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a pretty robust conference here and like, there's plenty of opportunities and we're mm-hmm. driving, like, is this, and he was like, should we be talking about a women's team? Right. And so we kind of paused and stepped back and cast a much wider net um, as far as like the folks who were like, Hey, like, you know, what do you think of this? And it, it, frankly, it started with a couple of meetings of, you know, 20 something people that were like, Oh yeah, this is, sounds cool. And then you kind of see who's, who's serious. Yeah. And I mean, well, and, who sticks and, around to, well, and, and who's, um, family and professional situations allow for the the time. I mean, like that's one of those, like you There's can have, you can have a ton of heart, but it, um, you know, doesn't always, uh, align with things and who has skills and relationships that are, are valuable. And suddenly, yeah. suddenly we got connected. And frankly, with this, um, you know, with, with a collection of women who've got long histories in the game and it, it became very clear. All right. Like we're going to step back and use our, collective skills and relationships in support of these folks. Right. And yeah, so like yeah. the majority of the board of women, the president, the, the CFO, like they're very much, um, you know, the, the face of the organization and, and leading it and setting the vision. And there's, you know, a, a few of us, um, you know, men in that founding group that are, um, you know, bringing our skills to support that effort. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it, it, so it, it was kind of an interesting thing. And yeah, I mean, it started as a conversation about a whole different project mm-hmm. that led to, um, just, you know, I think, yeah, once we was kind of like walked away from the, the assumption that, oh yeah, like a bunch of guys going to start a soccer team, soccer team for dudes that are going to compete in the thing we know and realize kind of like we were operating off of a, a default that was not necessary right then we got some you know some new opportunities and then frankly the it was, there was some serendipity with the timing of the w league There's launch with everything right I mean, and yeah. so because we because we were looking at you know the level of women's game that these other pre-professional that leagues with, that yeah. were that were you know there's a conference in the upper midwest in minnesota and we we're looking in there and then suddenly um you know we've kind of we're drawn into this possibility of, of the USLW league. And it seemed like it just lined up perfectly with what we were trying to do. So you mentioned that there were clubs uh, in the W league that are affiliated with men's clubs uh, at USL level, at MLS level. I'm not sure if you said USL, but MLS DCU, you said anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have much visibility into what the advantages that they have being associated with an established professional men's club is versus what you're trying to do. And there must also be advantages for you because, you know, maybe you're not locked down to uh, having to share the same, I don't know, whatever. But like, I'm curious what the uh, advantages and disadvantages are. So in the short term, I would imagine the advantages are almost assuredly the financing. Yeah. Um, Those clubs are owned by people who had enough money to own a team. Um, And we, uh, none of the, you know, founding folks of ours are rolling in that tax bracket, right? right? Like we, we really are putting the sweat equity into this club and then turning it open to the community to, to find that. Right. Um, the cool thing is, is, uh, you know, Minnesota has a, a corporate community that weighs in and supports. Like, I I do think we're going to find a lot of support out there as well, whether it's, kit sponsors and other things. But I mean, like that's the nice thing is like, it's a project that a lot of people are excited about. So I think between the community ownership and frankly, some of the uh, approaches that folks have in support of women's athletics in Minnesota, yeah. we'll be able to uh, put together a product without having someone who's sitting on millions of dollars and decided to, to do it at, you know, as something of theirs. I think the other thing in the short term is the fact that like, if you're associated with a existing club, you've got a stadium. That's the number one question I get asked when people are like, where are you going to play? Yeah. And that's to be determined at this point. Yeah. Um, thankfully we're in a market and we're one of the, I think the, the largest markets um, that's probably going to be a, a part of this effort at the beginning. Um, and we've got a lot of options, right? right. And so right. We're, we're kind of working through those and that's, um, you know, a project for 
late summer, early fall. But you know, I, it it the other seven in the the big one, like yeah, this is what we're playing. Like we're playing They've the men's stadium, place. right? Got, like yeah. like yeah, we're affiliated with the men's team. We've got a stadium yep. there, like. Yep. Whether it's club owned or they've just got a lease that now they've added a number of dates that they will use it for, right? right. Like it's right. it's there, um, and so I mean I definitely think those are, you know, advantages. Um, you know, it's just like one thing they don't have to to deal with. I do think that um, the community, uh, kind of like the community based ownership approach, that also builds us fans like you got to put you know butts in the seats too as part right. of your like yeah like, right. I, I, it's I not need, tv I, deals I, like, here that's doing yeah, it like, like I, yeah. I need i need the community to buy shares in the club to have the revenue to put this together but that's one-time revenue right like i need yep. operating and but people if have that connection game, to it right yeah then so, so yeah. like we'll we'll see how it plays out but i i do feel like at least for the folks in the twin cities that decide to step up and be like i want to be a part of this by buying a couple of shares and being ownership there, like they're going to want to go see their product and they're yeah. going to yeah. go to the match. And, and if they've got voting rights, then they're yep. like involved in, I mean, that's, they're yeah. going to buy a yeah. kit and they're going to do those kinds of things. Right. And this is going to be kind of part of, uh, um, their engagement in the broader soccer community. And I think just taking a, you know, USL men's team and having, I mean, like there are some, and I, you know, I think, you know, if this was something that, you know, we talk about forward Madison, like because they've built a culture in a certain way, yeah. I could totally see it being easier for them. But I could also see a USL men's team in a in a market where um, they're a successful, you know, financially viable club. But like flipping the switch and dropping a women's product out there and putting a women's team together under their branding doesn't necessarily come with. 3,000 season ticket holders, mm-hmm. right. you know, like that, that there's yeah, no guarantee so there. And so I do think that, um, over the first, you know, I think our first year is going to be much crazier because of building this club. Trying to put I mean, like, it together. Yeah. We're building the plane in the air, but yeah. I do think that that also means that in the end, it's going to be, um, a very vibrant, uh, viable, uh, organization because it's going to be, there's going to be so many people who've got a, an emotional and, financial interest in seeing it be yeah, successful yeah, yeah. a connection immediate connection um what is the so you said you don't have a name but you have a instagram or social media i assume so how can people find it yeah it's uh um you can find us on instagram at uh, mn woso women's soccer so um that is that is that even that has been an interesting thing um you know the the, the acronym or the slogan you know woso yeah being like you know, one of the things we're trying to do with this is I, I, I think the soccer community can be a little insular at yeah. times. Oh, of course. Um, and, and a little bit of like a, you know, how long have you been in the soccer community? Like kind of grades your level of soccerness. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, like, yeah. oh, well, yeah. have you, have, you know, did you Look, start as watching, one of right? the drivers of the soccer community, the soccer exactly. podcast understands this. Exactly. <laughs> um, Top fifty podcasts, yeah. soccer podcasts, uh, number top, one in like Bolivia or something. <laughs> Guatemala, Guatemala. Sorry, Bolivia, Guatemala. please. But but you know so so part of it is we're like working on Bolivia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but right, so it, even if you, um, so like trying to like find ways to make sure that we, while some of the folks are very much in the soccer community, it needs to be accessible. So yeah, I'm always trying to put a little bit of extra explanation on things like that, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and I think the uh, the the USLW league is is a really great uh, follow right now, um, just because they're they're um, you know it seems like every week it's either there's a new club or a stadium announcement or mm-hmm. a lot going coach on. hire yeah and um and it, it it's a really exciting thing to to be a part of um you know I think particularly going into the Olympics and U.S. Women's National Team. I mean, like, there's, there's like, always like a the, bump, exactly, yep. right? Um, and the opportunity for like another um, generation of aspiring players to to step up onto a, a higher stage. And so the yeah. the hope is that fill a gap. Next step, exactly. Keep um, more women involved, right? Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things is you know the, the league hopes to have 
30 clubs competing next May. It's a, it's a May to August season, mm-hmm. um, including like the playoffs. You've got to wrap up in time to release a lot of these women back to their college teams, their mm-hmm. college yeah. uh, preseasons, right? Um, but uh, I think the, um, the coaching opportunities and um, frankly, even the organization management and leadership opportunities um, are fantastic. And so it, it's really exciting to be, you know, in a supporting role for a project like that. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you kind of answered this, but in terms of like your vision for this league, this team, is it fill this hole in, in which it's serving essentially as a um, opportunity for student or student athletes to get exposure on for possibly future professional careers or are you do you envision pushing this even further and and like dropping the pre-professional and becoming professional um it sounds like it's a fantastic opportunity for for um these women to to gain that exposure to possibly moving on into you know the nwsl or uh, whatever um so, like, do you do you envision that? Do you keep it here? Are we going to be the Minnesota Mallards, for for lack of a better uh, analogy, um, or is it something bigger than that? I I think you know if if the ultimate goal is to grow the game on the women's side and expand opportunities across the board, like you know, the NWSL needs more teams, right? Like like. And we need a second division of women's professional soccer. Mm-hmm. We need communities to go out and spend money right. to support women's athletics. Yeah. And I think that um, whether, you know, I, I think this Minnesota club's model of being community owned is going to show, you know, if we're able to be successful, we're going to be able to show a lot of other communities that like, hey, you know what, if you care and are right. willing to put in a little bit of time in a in a small amount of personal money, um, you can create these opportunities in your community. Um, you don't need someone with a lot of means to decide. You know what? This is going to be yeah. important now. Right. And so, uh, you know, I also think. I mean, Minnesota on the men's side, like our MLS club, came out of a second division. Mm-hmm and came with a supporter base and a brand and a culture and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if, if this really kicks off, yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. But I also think that it, it's going to have to be like, that's going to be up to the owners. Sure. Right. Do we want yeah. as a community owned organization to take that step? Right. And if so, what does that mean? Do we then run a U 23 team or a U 21 yeah, team the same into that same, right? Like exactly. Yeah. And how how does how does that work? Um, and you know how does you know how does the W League as an institution grow and evolve as you've got you know some interests in that space? Um, to your point about like owning a pro sports team, like yeah, just <laughs> you know Matthew Bergeron here is like yeah, that'd be cool. Like, <laughs> like that would be really cool to own like an yeah. eighth of one percent of because you know, at some point then like there are there is other capital requirements and things like that. Like yeah, you would yeah. need to be looking for folks that would. Um, have uh, other interests, but being you know, and to be able to say like you helped start it is is a pretty cool project. I'm envisioning your helicopter coming. Uh, I was just gonna say coming in like it's succession. Exactly right. It's like the dream of like the founding owners box, right? Like so, like the eight of us in twenty years or so. But no, I mean, I I do think you know, um, and it's it's fascinating doing this in the Twin Cities because it's such an interesting sports market i mean we've on the men's side we've got like the five major men's sports we also have a big 10 d1 university Mm -hmm. in the twin cities Mm -hmm. um but on the women's side we have a very strong WNBA franchise Mm -hmm. we have a professional women's uh hockey team Mm -hmm. that uh actually been two years ago they they won they came in and won the league in their expansion season nice which just tells you about the player pool in minnesota right, right? Yeah. so they came in and like yeah. grabbed a bunch of folks yeah. and went uh we have a, a semi-pro women's football team that's quite t- i mean like and we we support these things so it, it feels like a market where you could 
100 percent have yeah, this can be done a right. nwsl team and then you would be able to have and whether whether the u23 team pre-professional played in the twin cities or in one of the like really strong kind of sub markets in Minnesota, right. in Rochester, Duluth, or whatever. Yeah, like there, there's, yeah, yeah. There, there's. I think uh, it's a a market that has the ability to um, support that kind of in its way, and so it's a. And it it doesn't. I don't see any reason why. At the same time, there's challenges. There's a lot of ways that people can spend their sports money, right? And yeah. so, um, but. You know, I think kind of threading the needle there is is going to be important, but it also uh, is a really exciting opportunity. Even outside, I mean, yeah, I was going to say Minneapolis, St. Paul, amazing sport, women's sports supporting town. But even outside of that larger, like the upper Midwest, Iowa, maybe they're not upper Midwest, but Iowa's got this long history of women's like basketball, mm-hmm. right? The high school basketball women's is like one of the biggest events in the state every year. It's a huge deal. Uh, so it's like, it just, just all feels very ripe. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a great spot. It's got clearly you're, you're working on building the fan base and doing this very organically. And it just seems like really exciting to me. It doesn't feel forced or like, uh, you know, the, that feeling where you're like, oh, they're going to go ahead and try this, but you feel like it's going to fizzle out or like it's doomed to fail because you know that the owners aren't actually that interested. They're just like throwing some money at it, whatever. This just feels really, uh, really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you've got that much community buy-in, it's not, you know, there could be tough times, but it's not going to go gently, right? Like, it's one of the, like, there's enough people that have enough heart in it that they're going to strive, we're going to strive to find a way to make it work. And I think that um, gives you a, a lot better, uh, you know, chance of yeah. success. Oh, that's super um, exciting. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's a really cool project to be a part of, and I'm really excited for next May when... um when we roll out a squad and start playing, that's I mean, wild. Yeah, like, and and it and it and it's you know and traveling like like we're gonna be like it's you on know, the road. Yeah, we're we're, schedule. we're 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 on you know we're gonna be on the road and, and playing clubs across you know across the country Sweet. and um. So actually, that that brings me to a question: What are you like? What are you most excited for? Like, what are you looking forward to the most? Like, is it that first game day uh, or is that first game day the thing that is giving you the most anxiety? Like, what are you the most excited for? Yes. And then what are you but like, but like, but what are you, what are you like the most anxious like, about? I mean, it's 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 both in equal parts. The the idea of being able to see, um, you know, uh, a group of, of talented mm-hmm. soccer players take the pitch in whatever our branding whatever our kit ends up looking right. like and doing it in front of a crowd that is like got more than just a i'll check it out kind yeah. of like support behind it right. right and um that is uh you know just such an exciting like you know vision to have um and at the same time there are so many pieces that feel like again like unlike someone that's like building this off of an existing usl team like game day operations mm-hmm. you know all of it yeah. all of that yeah. is, is is being you know kind of put together uh as we go um but i do think you know the cool thing about that is it, it gets to be reflective of what the community wants like Every how, how do you want how do you want your yeah how do you want your experience what do you want this to mean and if it feels um you know drawn out of those values it's not um how can we sell the most whatever though revenues are important but right. it's like like if if people pick the thing they then want to go buy it's a little bit different than if i'm trying to like what will these people pay me for right <laughs> and it's like so, i mean it's a buzzword right but it's authenticity yeah right? like the more authentic you are the more success you're going to have long term period well, right and if if there's anyone it's this podcast that knows authenticity we are uh, the, most, the most authentic so, so authentic <laughs> But, uh, but exactly. I mean, and it's, uh, you know, I also think, you know, the, the Twin Cities market market being as, um, culturally and community diverse as it is means there's going to be a vibrancy, mm-hmm. um, to use another buzzword, but yeah. vibrancy to it that, um, I don't like, I don't know that you're going to get necessarily in, in every place. And so I, I think that is, 
is uh, a really cool possibility too, is because it's not just going to be um, a white suburban soccer culture, right? Yeah. Right, like that's not you know necessarily kind of what it's being born of. It's going to be so much uh, broader than that, um, and that again makes it a club where I think you know there's everyone's going to feel that there's a the goal is that everyone feels there's a place for them there that that's yeah. that they you know should be in the stands in their kit you know cheering for these women because of course it's us right know? that's awesome that's Love uh it. amazing what else you have that's all i got mn like minnesota whoa so like women's soccer mn whoa so on instagram follow this team smash it get their smash, kit smash that like button Buy in because you know you want that little. Even I don't know if you're making little uh, a thing to print out PDFs that people can print out. <laughs> if they're not, I'll make it and I'll send it to you. <laughs> Buy into this team. We're gonna do this. Yeah, uh, this is dope. Thank you, Matt, for being here. Thanks a for pleasure having me. to speak to you. Uh, I would like to say, as you know, probably um, the number one grassroots soccer lover on this podcast has to be. Um, I because I'm pretty sure I don't know anybody else on this pod that loves grassroots soccer as much as I do. I was just really happy to be a part of this uh, secret pod once again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, unclear whether we're going to have another podcast later today, so let's just quickly cover. <laughs> we'll cut this out if it gets uh, preempted by another one. Oh no, we're doing we it. We can't do this. We can't we're doing do it. it. Come on. What do we? We got a few minutes. <laughs> uh, Copa America final last yesterday. Messi finally wins his uh, major tournament. The debate is over. The debate is over. He's the greatest soccer player ever. Oh, my God. I'm so glad he won yesterday so we can stop having this debate. That was a tough match to watch at times. Terrible I mean, game. it oh was... God, they just hated each other. It, it, oh, I, I, turned to Palmer so much I turned to Palmer at one point and was like, is it just me or is this real conca gaffy? Yeah, like this, it is. This, it this, <laughs> this feels like, you know, Honduras, Guatemala, like... In the hex, just like hacky diving. Yeah, yeah, right. It was bad. Ref um, losing control of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it's rare that you see an official give a yellow card that early and still lose complete control that way. Well. I mean, like, uh, like he gave a yellow in the first 10, 12 minutes and I, could have given four. Even in the first five. And I like, could have and could have given could have given Odomendi four more. How did Odomendi stay on the field? Uh, yeah, I, incredible. I think at like the twenty minute mark, I looked at Palmer and I was like, "This is going to end playing ten on nine, yeah, isn't it?" Like it this, 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 this somehow feels, no, it was bad. It was bad. Um, uh, Palmer, you happy for Messi? I Did mean, you want Brazil? No, I. Did you like the Neymar tears? I <laughs> for the tears for the camera. Uh, I obviously very happy for Messi. I mean, this is it just caps his career, right? Um, it would not have changed his legacy if he'd lost this. But I think this was obviously something for him that he needed um, for him to be able to just say, all right, I'm, I can retire now and know whatever, right? Major international tournament. Um, it was not a pretty game. Um, Messi scuffed a couple that Ooh. he probably should have scored. Um, but that it, that's not what it's going to be remembered for. Um, odd tournament. Uh, but you know, overall shouts to Messi, um, greatest, greatest player ever. Uh, and we got to see it. So yeah, this is, it's great. Happy for him. Everyone, the world was happy for him. I mean, they were celebrating in Barcelona, like right? Neymar was happy for him. Right. Right. After he, uh, cried, but it's all good. That, that Neymar bit was <laughs> so pre-planned. Like, you know, he had a conversation with his publicist. Like, if you win, do this. If you lose, do that. Because the, the 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 whistle blows, and you see him chuckling with somebody or whatever, and then he walks over to the sideline, sees the camera, drops down onto his knees, hands to the sky, yeah. tears shed. It's like he was totally going for the Man. other half of the side-by-side of the newspaper, right? So on the one side, you would have Messi lifted by his teammates, and the other side, you'd have Neymar crying to the gods, right? Give the people what like, they want. Like, exactly. Like, he was like, that was so, like, all right, well, here's here's how we'll we'll structure this. I do have to say the goal is one of my favorite oddities of soccer where it never touched the net until it hit the back bar and then bounced up and hit the top of the net. That was the first time it hit the net. I love, I just, 
there's something like just the so on the ground yeah, around the yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. something just so satisfying about bunk, just bunk. the the perfection of that chip is just per it's just so I good. mean and you, you can talk about the impact this has on Messi's uh legacy none but like it has no <laughs> no I know no but that's we, but that's we, we but that's don't but talk that's about but this. like that's none. that's that's the talker what i'm saying is actually for as bad as Angel de Maria's like international experience has been mm-hmm. in recent tournaments and how much people are like, why is this dude sure. playing uh, for him to uh, go out and score the winner? Um, like that, I mean, that, that is actually, you know, yeah, I mean, and, and it, the, it was, has to be the twilight of his international. It career. could change yeah. the legacy conversations of other people on that squad. Exactly. Right? So like Oda Mendy, could change the conversations that we have about. I don't know what what conversation you would have about him, but it could. I mean, there's this great Angel generation. Maria is a, is a really good. Aguero is, didn't play, but Aguero. he's on the team. Exactly. He won an now uh, he has a trophy. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't change anything about Messi. I mean, <laughs> it just doesn't. It's a silly, he was already, silly, right? Yeah. It's a yeah, silly yeah. conversation that we're having right now. Anyway, so <laughs> did you watch uh, Mexico Trinidad and Tobago last night? Yes. Where Speaking it, of Concacafi, <laughs> holy cow. <laughs> Um, I mean, where do we start? Where do we? Where do you want to start with this? Do you want to start with draw. the chat or or the chant, or do you want to do you want to talk about? Well, the let's say Mexico game? kicks off the Gold Cup, a nil nil draw with Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, definitely not how they drew it up. They dominated this game, had twenty nine shots or some ridiculous number to eighty five percent for eighty five percent. I mean, just a terrible one for them to draw. Mm-hmm. They'll be fine. They'll get through the group. Maybe. Well, I don't even say that they're going to be second now. They win out. They'll still be first in the mm-hmm. group because mm-hmm. Trinidad and Tobago is not going to win out. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So they're fine. It just looks bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did their best to try to forfeit this game. Oh, though. my God. It's It's got to happen. It's got to happen. I mean, so I, it's just the to assume that the 85th minute stoppage come together in the in the middle of the circle. So this is the homophobic chant that right. the Mexican fans do in the crowd on goal kicks. It, it's not as though this chant had all of a sudden started to happen in the 85th minute, right? This is a thing that had been happening the entire game, and I'm sure CONCACAF is like, just wait till the 85th, because that's when most of the game has been played out, and then we can, like, whatever. We do step one, and then even if we have to do step two, we'll never get to step three. So they got to step two. Yep. And even after step two... The chant you could still it was still audible. Clearly audible. And the broadcast team was like, Whoa, they yeah. did it again. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And they were and and so I you could see the ref talking with the players and the players are like yelling at the ref, but the ref is just like, This like this on this y'all. Is, this is like I yeah. mean, it's not on the players, right? But these this is like it's it's insane to me. Um and at this point, Mexico needs to forfeit and lose points and drop out of a, a, a major tournament. This is their A team, right? The Tata Martino brought his A yeah. team to yeah. the Gold Cup. They did not win the uh, the CONCACAF Nations League. Uh they put value on that turn on that on that game. Hi Pedro. Uh they're putting <laughs> they're putting value on uh on this now and if their fans ruin it for them, like Kakiyev has to make a decision here. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's very clear that this chant is not going to stop. It was they made it very clear yesterday. Um, it's something needs to happen to to the team, and it sucks to say that for them because they're a very talented squad. But like that's the only way. That and it's not the players, right? That was actually the one of the first times that that really struck me was yesterday. I think it was during the first stoppage, and I forget which player it was, but he like. He was clearly just so annoyed and frustrated. I think and it was like, why are we doing this? Like the players, maybe they have a platform to be able to influence it. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's they have nothing to do with it. But mm-hmm. they really like these guys are top of a top level professionals. They're trying mm-hmm. to win games. They're doing their job. And you know, it, like part of me actually, it was the first time where I was like, Oh, I feel bad for these guys because mm-hmm. this sucks for them. Cause they're gonna I'm- they will eventually get put in some situation. That is worse than a two-minute pause. But the Mexican Football Federation is also not doing anything to help it, right? So they're trying to get around what FIFA said they had to do is play uh, get two games 
uh, yeah. behind closed doors, Getting right? Those behind so then to they the women. then they were like, "Oh, we're gonna do it for the women's team because you never said we couldn't do it that way." Um, it so it's just like they're not doing anything to to make this seem like well, it's and, a, it's and a, FIFA has to weigh in because Concacaf is not gonna do right. anything to Mexico, right? You know, you don't pick on like the two top guys at the. Um, you know, the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, yeah, you know, it, the other thing I, I will say, is, and, and I'll admit, need, I, I do not regularly consume Mexican sports, like, media coverage. Um, I've seen a couple of quotes on, uh, you know, ESPN from time to time. But I don't get the sense also that the Mexican national team players have stood up, like, as a unified they, group and said, they have. like... Ochoa came out recently and was like, you guys... You need to stop. Like this is affecting. This is affecting us. This is unacceptable. I mean, the players have come out and said, "Don't." The fans are just like, "Fuck you," and it's wild. And and so the federation needs to be like, "Okay, fine. You're going to cost us things. You're not going to be able to enjoy games. This team is not going to be able to play." So does like, that say that the the federation actually needs to decide that they're going to play their games behind closed doors to prevent them from like? Uh, if I don't think Concacaf will do anything, but eventually they'll be in some FIFA tournament where they start forfeiting. Well, so does that say, like to head that off? The uh, Mexican Federation has to be like, look, we'd rather play behind closed doors than have these fans. I think in they the stadium. Ha- I think they at least have to take the the sanctions seriously and not say we're going to do this to the Give women's to the team. Women's team, yeah, yeah. When, right? What what does that mean for World Cup qualifying? If out of a fear of losing points. You know, Stadio Azteca is empty, own. right? Like, can you imagine how different a U.S. at Mexico World Cup qualifier is if it's played in front of an empty stadium? I mean, that's a fundamentally it's a different game, fundamentally different thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if, and if you're, at, it's and, still played at elevation though. Like, there's still like, oh no, it's 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 there's still home field advantage. I'm just right. saying, like, not eighty thousand fans. I, on yeah, top I mean, of I get that, it but is, it's yeah. just it's it's still like. These guys are professionals. I understand like the effect that a uh, um, behind closed doors game does, right? And we've seen that uh, yeah, in the, the last, last year, year yeah, right? Yeah. So it's not like this is like something new, no, right? But so I, I it's get, just they need to lose points. They need no, I, to be, I, they need to start forfeiting. No, I mean I I totally agree, and I'm I'm also envisioning if if the federation decides we'll play behind closed doors to avoid losing points because our fans can't chant something and yeah. we don't have them yeah. in the stands. Now, what does that mean for, like, then you could, like, have just some dropped points, like last night, mm-hmm. but situations like that where now suddenly a club like Honduras or Costa Rica comes in and gets a draw that they shouldn't have gotten or something like right. that, and now what does that mean? We've seen the United States find a way to not qualify, right? like, I think this Mexican team has you the talent to get it, it anyways, granted. but right. you can't assume that now if suddenly, like, I'm not... You know, they. This was the big thing about uh, Anfield during the COVID restart. It was like people weren't afraid of going to Liverpool because it's just a stadium at this it's just point. Just a field right. in a and, building. And your your attitude, like Liverpool, was still the better team, right? But it wasn't a fortress right. because you right. didn't have that. Yeah. yeah. Now someone like a Honduras could be going in there. Uh, Canada yeah. could be going into this, going like I like. So I'm not. As I mean, afraid. A lot of where I've seen this play out, and maybe it's just the games that I've seen or where the Mexican national team has played recently, but a lot of it is in the United States. Mm-hmm. Do the fans mm-hmm. in Mexico City do the same thing? Oh, that's a good question. I'm no, not sure. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they say, <laughs> okay, then like we just can't have games uh, held in, in the U.S. The, the away games. We're not going to sell tickets, right? Our allocation is going to go empty because this right. is whatever. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they decide uh, at the Azteca that they're still okay because the fans there are not doing that. I right. have no idea. I have no idea. I'm don't just know. wondering. Yeah, don't know. But it's it was it, kind of, it was kind of a crazy going back to the the on the field. I mean, like there was some crazy like amidst all of that. Like while well, not well again, not a very pretty. Yeah, match. It was times, fun. I really enjoyed watching this crazy match. stuff. It yeah. was fun. and I still can't get over the fact that they didn't go to VAR for a penalty on the Lozano 
injury. Yeah, so we should mm-hmm. say Chucky Lozano, big injury, yep. uh, kind of nudge from behind. Nothing that you don't usually see. Uh, yeah, I didn't think there was anything in the broadcast crew too. It was like there was nothing on either side of that that seemed like dirty or malicious. It was a foul mm-hmm. in the box, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It should have been a penalty. It was a foul in the box. He went down the and weird... he went headfirst into a keeper who was trying to slide in and, and get but big. You don't but... see keepers. The weird part to me of that uh, sequence is that you don't see keepers go in with like feet first or knee first like that. Yeah, usually, usually they go dangerous. in with their feet. That's true. Or they come in kind of sideways trying to stay big. So the I think the place that that injury came from was actually the way that the goalkeeper yeah. went in, like with his kind of like led with his lower legs, which yeah. was very strange. And it was strange. It was, but I don't think it was like. I don't think it was malicious. It was almost like it, he was trying to bail out of the yeah out of the yeah. tackle. Or out well, of the but back. I think I just think that's the thing that did it. Not right. that it was 100%. malicious, but yeah. it, it was, oh yeah, it just. It ended up being awkward, and and and, 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 I, and I and I don't want to disparage. It was Chucky's the, face that ended up in yeah. there. And I don't I don't want to disparage the the Trinidadian keeper because he had made some monster saves and saves. and had you know a really great day. But like we were, we were like, where does this guy play? Yeah. Like we looked it up, <laughs> and he's older. I mean, he's thirty six years old, and he plays for a team that just got relegated out of the Indian League. Huh. So like. The, that's the kind of an level. awkward way to do it. Might have been just a. That's just normal. That's he's just not that. Good. He's, he's not yeah, yeah, yeah. that great of a. Yeah. It's like, oh, I kind of like fumbled that one, and yeah, oops, you know, he's so like, scratching out a professional career. Yeah. He's, like, he's cl- not clumsy is possible for someone playing. Hundred yeah. percent. You know, yeah. um, but he had he had a couple of saves, including the one into the uh, would have been the upper right corner when mm-hmm. he was diving to his right left. At the end. That, yeah. yeah, in like cool. the eighty something minute, was that great. was a real. It was great. It was it's it's uh, it was it was the fun zero zero draw that felt like Mexico should have scored at least ten. Yeah, um, particularly when you bet the over on corners. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of corners. There, there were, you got, that must have got hit. the corners. Uh, <laughs> everything else, I was like, not not great. But um, is Tata feeling the heat? Loses to the U.S. in in the Concacaf Nations League. Uh, their next game, I think they beat Nigeria like four zero. Um, but now they're in an international tournament. They've clearly put value on this tournament. This is their A team. Um, Chucky Lozano hurt. Who knows pretty, how long? Pretty badly. Pretty like, bad. Not only knocked out, but a lot of blood and like it, yeah. it was nasty. Like probably I, won't play the rest of the tournament, right? At least not the group uh, stages. So, it like. How do, how is he feeling right now? I think he'll certainly get the rest of the tournament, and I still have them as favorites. And they have issues with fans now, too. And so. they have issues with fans. Good point. I I mean, Mexico looked fine. It wasn't really obvious that they had um, kind of been affected by the Lozano injury, but right. I am willing to give them a little bit of a pat. It's not the same, but Denmark, obviously. Uh, took a game or mm-hmm. two to get rolling and then yeah. ended up doing really well in the Euros. So, uh, you know, seeing your teammate and your friend go through something like that, yeah, it wasn't obvious as it was for Denmark that, right. like, they were just totally out of it. Or, But well, and, and this game, eh, whatever, it's Spain, fine. Spain There's, also drew 0-0 to Sweden and had 90% of the possession yeah. in the Euros. So, yeah. I see, I see what you're that. saying, but he's got this tournament and I still think they're favorites. 100%. Well, and I mean, watching, like, it... They didn't look bad. They just couldn't they just get couldn't it in the score. net, right? Yeah. And some of that, I mean, has to go to the fact that um, I think with, frankly, the five subs, and weirdly enough, uh, I think Trinidad and Tobago subbed out three of its original five. They were playing five at the back kind of defenders. So they put fresh legs on defense. They were playing... Fresh legs to keep, fresh yellows. To keep a... Yeah. Exactly. To keep a, a clean sheet to go score, you know, other than bringing in... Kevin Molino, I don't know that they brought in an attacking sub, no. which very much, you know, and again, when you when you can bring in an extra two guys and you're bringing in defensive subs, which you don't see a lot. Right. Um, like, they did what they needed to do. They they were organized and, like, I mean, I think they had nine or ten blocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. the keeper only had five or six saves, and when yeah, you got 23 or whatever shots, like... They defended really well. Yeah, I, was, I assume that they were bringing in fresh yellows. They were, in fact, not... Uh, nobody with a yellow got taken off, it looks like, so... <laughs> uh, just to correct myself. There, <laughs> there you go. Fact check. I like it. Yeah. 
Uh, awesome. We got Italy, England coming up. We're about to actually close up the laptop here and move on and go watch this game. Yep. This will absolutely not be heard by anyone until afterwards, which means we got to make silly predictions so that we sound dumb after. Bursch, what do you got? <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm good at this. <laughs> yeah, go. I'll go uh, 2 1 England, Harry Kane brace, back to back golden boot. Wow. That is what a, a that is silly. Fan. That is silly. I am wearing. I'm just trying to drive that price up. Let's go. Yeah. 200 million. Does he need two goals to be golden boot? Uh, yeah, he's on four, and uh, Ronaldo is on five. Please, okay. own okay. goal is gonna is the oh that's true. Own goal's on <laughs> that's, like eleven that's, or that's something. That's the prediction <laughs> of the tournament. Maybe, should should I predict that there's going to be the own goal is going to be the the winner? I like. We'll that. get an own goal game winner. I don't think so. Um, you had in your uh, the previous Rogue podcast, you had hat trick in the final, right? I did. I think I took that as like a wild bet. Uh, that's probably not going to happen. I'm going to say that this probably is probably not going to happen. <laughs> this is going to be a zero zero boring final. Uh, you hate, you hate to see it, but that's what we're going to get. It's going to be cagey. This will go to penalties and, uh, it's, it will result in, in, uh, some England heartbreak and penalties as they are used to. Um, they had, true. they had the one success that they were like, Oh, our penalty tragedy is over. I think in the last World Cup, um, but it it will return and football uh, is going to uh, Italy it's to leaving. its summer home. It's leaving. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it's it's summering. It's summering in Italy. <laughs> That's so good. What do you uh, got? I think Italy's a better team, but I think playing at Wembley is going to be big. Uh, these guys, I just part of me really hopes that England squad can pull it together. Like Raheem Sterling for all that yeah. he's been through and kind of all that he represents as a uh, player that's been mistreated by the media and the fans at times. Yeah. I would just love for him to be a hero. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of on the England bandwagon. Is it, you know? is it a different England team than, than what we're used to? Like I, we were talking about this the other day, like, um, you know, performative gesture aside, uh, they they're taking the knee before every game. They've caught flack from their from their fans, and they've uh, they've even they've said we're still going to do yeah. it. So you guys yeah. need to shut up. Uh, their fans have been booing um, the national anthem, and Gareth Southgate came out and was like, "Don't boo, please stop." Yeah. Um, you have Marcus Rashford, who's doing amazing things. You have the Raheem Sterling story, um, who's been through a lot, uh, especially within the media. Um, and he's probably for me player of the tournament. It's been amazing. Um, is this a different, dare I say, lovable England team? Like, are we like think back to old English, like Steven Gerrard, yeah, Gerrard, uh, Lampard, Lampard, like, Rooney? Yeah, they Paul were like Robinson in goal. Yeah, like, you never loved Robert these guys. Green. It's like you kind of you were they they weren't hateable, but they weren't like as like. Yeah. Uh, to to steal a term from this pod, with us, yeah. Well, I, right? I also th- I think this generation of English players didn't come up as the you're going to be the ones, right? Like it they they weren't a golden generation. This yeah. wasn't going to be the yep. group that brought football home. This mm-hmm. wasn't they didn't have those expectations. And frankly, most of these guys or a lot of these guys weren't necessarily the like 17 year old darling who I mean, like look at where the loan spells Harry Kane was on. Right. I mean, Jordan Pickford was not a, a big club. Yeah. Right. right. Like the, the, these aren't all big club Academy kids who've been wearing, you know, three lions jerseys at every level coming up. Like the, this is a group of, of players much more built out of a professional work ethic. And I mean, Kieran Trippier, I mean, yeah. like that—that's not yeah. the kind of guy that like was on, you know, was, these other kind of club, these other kind of teams. Yeah. And so, yeah. I think to some extent, they—they they are more likable just because they don't like they are—they are work their way up the pyramid. Players, many of them, a lot more well, than usual. Yeah, you've got—that's a great point. You've got the, Grealish the, is like still at Aston Villa. He's not at a super club. Right. Uh, the, the Leeds guy, the York Pirlo, uh, Phillips, Phillips, right? I mean, Declan is, Rice. I mean, you've got, you've got, yeah. you've got. Yeah. Guys playing at, you know, mid table, recently right. promoted. You've got guys that have gone down and come back like that. I it's can't awesome. imagine. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, I'm, I changing, think I'm changing my prediction. England and penalties. England and penalties. <laughs> that is the one thing that's not going to happen. If it goes to penalties, England's are dusted. <laughs> They're dusted. Oh, that's amazing. All right, there are your predictions. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to go watch this game. Uh, Rogue Pod out. Take that, Colin. Eat it. <laughs> Eat it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Cliff. Bye. because we're all on the same track. No headphones on because we're in the same room. Woo, baby! (laughs) How are you going to know when to start? Are you just going to three, two, one it? Yeah, no. We'll just cut it. We'll just cut it in. Wasn't there a a Frank Lampard quote that I always... Shut up, Frank, you fat fucking twat. (laughs) (laughs) That was always one of my favorites.